WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert. The story. Headline. The spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Cover Story. I'm Brandy Shapiro-Babin, and uh, unfortunately, David McGinnis could not be with us today, but I'm very excited to have a sparkling guest. Who will be? At, this is a two-parter, um, so we're going to do our first part today. So he's going to, uh, we're going to give him the title of co-host as well as uh, the person who's going to be interviewed. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Vince Thompson, who I am so happy to be holding um, the draft manuscript for his new book, before anyone else got it. It's called Ignited. Managers light up your company and career for more power, more purpose, and more success. Uh, to give you a little bit of background, Vince, uh, my goodness, has led teams responsible for selling over $1 billion in interactive advertising. He's uh, also the founder of Middle Shift Consulting, and he helps internet companies build revenue by creating advertising solutions and scaling sales and businesses, business, can I say that again? Business development efforts. And he helped launch advertising businesses for Napster, Break.com, and he's currently consulting for StarStyle, TV Guide, and Manta.com. And uh, he started off, and he's consulted, uh, for AOL and worked at AOL and you know it uh, during cover story we talk about PR and one of the audiences that we need to uh, reach out to is the audience of you how to personally benefit you your career where you're going um, where you've been and make sure that you've got that clear path to success for whatever it is for you so to stop my rambling welcome Vince Thompson (laughs) <laughs> Brandy, thank you. Hey. Fun to be on the show. I didn't know I was doing double duty, but I love it. Yeah, you are. We just signed you up. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll ask myself a couple questions then, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. That voice in your head could be put to good use. Yeah, exactly. All five of them. No. Okay, so tell us about all five of your personalities. <laughs> Scary, isn't it? No. Well, after, listening, after listening to my bio, it seems like I must have five personalities to accomplish that stuff. Yeah, truly. So you, I mean, you must be the master of time management as well. Oh, I, you know, I think I'm pretty good at it, but I didn't start out that way, and I've spent a lot of time and learned a little bit about it. Um, but it's been, it's been a fun career, and my, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about technology and the Internet and how that changes the world. Uh, and management has been, uh, has been, you know, kind of core to my whole experience, like working in companies trying to do these things. And frankly, it's been the frustrating part. Like, you know, I love the technology, and I love the, the fact that... Uh, we are going through a reinvention and all that, but I spent most of my career as a manager, and it's really painful to be in the middle of these companies as they're reinventing, merging, and changing, and, uh, and you're trying to make a difference. So that's what got me started on the book path. Good for you. Good for you. I mean, because you did. I mean, when you, when you look at, you know, or I mean, the, the limited amount of information I have on your career, I mean, you, you started off, um, let's see, you worked in sales and business development for Third Age Media, and you also managed local television station sales forces. Right. So, I mean, you really, and that's tough. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a great job because you get to meet so many different people and companies. But, um, it's a, you know, it's a, being a sales manager is a classic kind of mid-level position. Um, 
you're working with the customers, but you're not running the company. And in order to do things, um, especially in today's world, you know, you need to work with so many um, different parts of your organization in order to be successful that, uh, you know, you, got, you, you have to develop those skills. And I kind of found myself in a position, you know, of managing television stations and Internet companies and during my time at AOL, I found that a lot of the business books that were out there were either very good at very basic levels, um, or they were really at the top of the spectrum. They were written by like Jack Welch or Rudy Giuliani, or you know some um, right, right, some icon that seems almost intangible. Oh, I know. it's so easy for Jack Welch to say this stuff. I mean, he had eighty thousand people working. For him. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, <laughs> it was very funny because we streamed Barry Diller. Uh huh. Um, you know, we, we've had Barry Diller on before, and. Yeah, I mean, he had, I mean, what he's accomplished is phenomenal. But it's so funny listening to him talk about, like, you know, how, wh- why he decided to drop the, the, uh, the butler from Ask. Right, right. Right? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> easy for you to say that after you had all the documentation from your amazing staff to support it. Right. You know, right. which is sort of crazy. Um, That's right. But, but let's, so let's talk about, um, Let's talk first of all about your personal path because I think that gives um, insight and inspiration for for people. Then we can get more involved with the book because I love how you talk about just, you know that you, you've got your um, you know touchstone messages and there's quizzes and uh, I mean there's really a great roadmap here to understanding who you are and what you need to do to maximize the position you're currently in as well as understanding where you need to go forward. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting how it all seems to come together in life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the older you get, the more of these, you know, little things and experiences you've had all begin to connect. I don't get older. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I believe that. I saw pictures of you on the internet, and I've got to say. That, uh, don't say that. You don't that. look like you've ever aged at all. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would airbrush me. You know what, so hold, hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to railroad you for one second. Yeah, because I didn't know how I was going to segue into this, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Do it. Okay, cool. Um, I told my client I would do a favor for her today. She had a dream. My producer's looking at me, going, "Brandy, why are you doing this? What are you doing? What are you doing, Brandy? You're totally railroading. You're okay. So you live in LA. Yes. Okay. So one of my clients called me up, all excited. Her name's Britt, and she's with Paper Post. And she said, "Oh my God, I just came back from vacation, and I went to LA, and I had a dream the night before about Bruce Willis." Oh, how funny. And the very, wait, and I guess she doesn't normally dream about Bruce Willis. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe it's Brad Pitt or Robert Redford. I don't know what her personal <laughs> tastes are. <laughs> um, and the very next night, they were at, oh, I forget the name of the club, she said, and she saw Bruce Willis. Oh, wow. So she got to press flesh with him and, and all of that good stuff. So um, I guess there's something to having little dreams that are premonitions. But she asked me if I could mention it, and I'm, I'm mentioning Brit Paper Post, um, Premonition Girl. That's so, that's, so, that's so great. That's a great story. I have a Bruce Willis story I'll share quickly. It's a weird okay. one. Okay. Uh, just out of college, 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm driving back at a, from a bar. I've got the top down in my car. Mm-hmm. I, pull, I pull up next to Bruce Willis at a stoplight. It's just me and Bruce Willis. Nobody around on the street. Bruce! <laughs> he glances at me, drives off at 150 miles an hour. <laughs> He's going, oh, damn it, where's my staff? Where's my staff? This idiot. You know, I think everyone's got this goofy. Um, I have, here, I'll, I'll throw out my, well, <laughs> let's just totally train right this whole interview. <laughs> but it's fun. We're going to have you on again and again. So we'll have fun with this right Great. now. Because I'm in the mood to have fun. Um, I 
two things. One is I've, I've met Bruce Willis and was actually invited when he was with whatever the name of his band was. And they were, you know, with, with Planet Hollywood, which was really great. And we got to go backstage and we got to hang out with him and all sorts of fun stuff. But I have a very good friend of mine that lives in Las Vegas who looks just like Bruce Willis. Oh, wow. So we used to love like, so for example, he come every once in a while to pick me up at the airport. Yeah. And I mean, like everyone would just swarm around him. And then everyone looked at me like they just wanted to murder me because, oh, my God, like Bruce Willis is coming to pick me up at the airport. And we used to love to sit down and gamble like a blackjack table. Yeah. He'd sit on one end and I'd sit on another and there'd be people in between. And you could tell people like, you know, they wanted to talk to him, but they didn't know what to say. And um, so we used to goof. This is so horrible. We used to goof around. That- that is so crazy. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Well, we used to tell people, like, so I'd say, hey, can I bum a couple of chips off of you? And he'd be like, sure, babe. And then I'd, like, you know, pass him my room key. And, like, <laughs> the girl next to me would be like, why didn't I have the gall to do that? Why didn't I have the guts? And then we'd both get up and leave together, and the whole table would be like, oh, my God, where's my cell phone? I want to call Star Magazine, you know? <laughs> it was kind of cool. So, anyway, yeah, you, everyone can email in their, their Bruce Willis stories. <laughs> I like that. I bet there's a lot of them, too. Yeah, well, you know, he, he gets around, and I mean, he's yeah. unfortunately a little bit older, so he's, he's probably met a ton of people in his time. Yeah. But, but he's a nice guy. Anyway, so back to you, because you're, you're a nicer guy. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> and you've got a new book, which is great. So, but let's go back. All right, so you were talking about, um, you know, the fact that, which is great, you, you started working out in, in TV stations, middle management. Well, I was going to say, the dot, you know, the dots kind of connect. Mm-hmm. I actually, I actually, when I got out of college, I wrote screenplays for five years. So that, that really started me in my kind of writing interest. And, uh, and, you know, as a guy, screenwriter, walking around in my bathrobe all day waiting for the uh, uh, agent to call, mm-hmm. I figured, boy, I better learn how to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems to be kind of a sales-driven business. So that wound me on my path and put me into television and uh, ultimately into the Internet business. But it was my, you know, it's kind of my interest in writing that I, that I kept up along the way. And um, ultimately, what I learned in my business career gave me, you know, the inputs to begin to frame up a, a conversation around management. Of course, you know, we had a research team of four people. It's been 18 months and conducted over 100 interviews. But, um, yeah, th- you know, th- things kind of snapped together. And some of the people that I met along the way, um, and become friends with, had actually written some very successful business books. So Jason Jennings I knew before he wrote his book, and Keith mm-hmm. Barazzi I knew before he wrote his book. Mm-hmm. And Chester Elton is on the New York Times bestseller list right now. So um, it's funny how you find yourself at a certain place and realize, wow, all that stuff was kind of working on it along the way. Well, it is, it is true. I definitely believe that like, the path that we're on, yeah. you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it either, you know, if, if you're not on the right path right now, you're learning something positive from it, Yep. Like what you, you know, because the hardest thing in life is knowing what you want and what you don't want. And that just sounds so simple yeah. and, and understated, but it's, but it's true. It's very hard. We get so caught up in not understanding what it is that we like and we don't like. But if you look back at your past experiences, it really helps you craft yourself to understand where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are mm-hmm. and, and how to forge yourself forward. And if you can look at someone um, and reach out to someone like you who's traversed waters yep. um, and can give you like a, 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 like a, like a, a, like the secret, so to speak, book <laughs> <that'll>, <laughs> that allows you to maximize yeah. where you are. Because it's true, you know, leveraging content, contracts, having, you know, you discuss a lot um, about, about being able to translate right. for other right. people. 
Well, you know what, what I did? You know, from my situation, I'd spent these years in management. Some of them were absolutely fabulous, and, and some of them were really, really hard, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think my management career was, and oftentimes, kind of wonderful and kind of horrible all at the same time. And when I talked to my friends in management, many of them felt the same way. Uh, you know, how do you lead in limited space? You know, when you're not Jack Welch, you don't run everything. How do you motivate that team that reports to you if you don't ultimately control their compensation, you know? Or if you can't control the products that you're working on or have more of an input into things. So, you know, my early work uh, demonstrated to me that managers really wanted more purpose more power and more success. The kind of the three things. They wanted to be more empowered over what they were doing. They wanted to feel more connected to the work. And they wanted to get a little more credit for it. I mean, most people don't get recognized for the work they do in the workforce today. As a matter of fact, 86% of them feel like they haven't been recognized for the major achievements that they've done in the last six months. Which is huge. So, yeah. Because don't you think oh, that's a lot of times that's, you know, a big piece of it? That, you know, a lot of people would probably want to be paid. They don't mind if they're being paid a little bit less to be a lot yeah. more appreciated. Yeah, being appreciated. And, and, you know, the net effect has been, and we've been watching these trends for several years, they're the worst they've ever been right now. Right now, 58% of the people who are working in management in American companies are willing to leave their job. So if something better came, they'd leave. 30% are currently looking and that is the worst the statistics have been for dissatisfaction um, in history. Isn't that sad? Because it's, it's, there is a feeling of not having a sense of loyalty. It's not. It's yes. And, and being appreciated. Yeah. And it's people driving home with a pit in the bottom of their stomach. And, you know, I, we can all really relate to this. I mean, these are the challenges that you kind of go through. But interestingly enough, when we went through our research, we found, you know, four ch- trends are really kind of changing the leverage point finally mm-hmm. for managers. You know, after being kind of maligned, depositioned, delayered, and cut through the 80s and early 90s, um, and then spoofed by, you know, office space. And right, office right, space, exactly. Right? Managers are finally getting a chance to take it back. There's, there's four trends that are really putting the wind at their backs, and they're actually kind of cool. They've been going on for a while, but the way they're coming together, managers are going to be able to get more power. And, and those trends are, um, one, the increasing complexity of the business world. I mean, it's hard to get things done. There's so many systems that need to relate and interrelate um, in, in order to achieve success that you need somebody who has a mastery of how things work. Mm-hmm. And so veteran managers know that more than anybody else. Um, the, the boomers. You know, they say the the pig is leaving the snake, you know. Nice. (laughs) This big boomer movement is moving on. And um, as they do, there's fewer people with experience, and that gives uh, gives veteran managers who know how to get things done a lot more leverage. And suddenly the pay scales and things that were put in place by this kind of post-World War II Mm -hmm. industrial era those things are starting to change. Right, the, 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 the glass ceiling is, is beginning to open. You know, it is a little bit, and also just this whole idea of compensating people in pay ranks is starting to change because as companies start realizing how valuable some of these individuals are, they have much more negotiating power. Well, interesting. Now, do you find that people are, that, that companies also from a, from a pay trend are also beginning to um, pay people based on not just salary, but their impact on the bottom line for a company. So there's opportunities more for bonuses and other sort of, you know, rewards. It, there has been a little bit more of that, okay. but it will change more dramatically in the future. You know, um, 
most managers surveyed, like, you know, kind of post-dot-com uh, burst, right, and the economy slowed down, everything started firing up again. The last people to really get rewarded with that were the managers. Um, so they were asked to do a lot more work but weren't paid, um, you know, in levels appropriate. Mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. that is changing in, the, in, in just over the last six months and year. Companies are really catching on to the fact they need to retain these people, and retention is a big focus of American companies today. The other trends I was going to mention to you are that mm-hmm. you know, this idea of growing corporate flexibility. Mm-hmm. Companies are willing to be much more flexible um, with employees than they were in the past. Like telecommuting, hey, we've always known it's a, a good thing and a trend, but it, it used to move pretty slow. Now it's picking up quite a bit, and um, companies are working hard you know, to the, de- the degree that they can to hang on to some of these very experienced female executives who might have left to have a baby right. and don't want to come back into a full you know, 50-hour week or 60-hour week. Right, but but who have great skills and they can probably get a lot more done oh. staying at home and taking care of their kids, you know, because at that attrition rate and retraining people a lot of times can drown a company if you have, you know, if you have jobs that are that are rotating like a revolving door. Oh, and there's so much expertise and brain power in these in these female executives. But of so, course. You know, just, it's, it would be a tragedy to lose it. So smart companies are figuring out how to get ahead of that. Then the, the final trend that is, I think, really important and where managers can play a big role is, is this idea that business models are failing faster than they have before. It used to be that you had a, founders had an idea. They created a business model. A few guys sitting around, right? Then or gals. To, yeah, or gals. Okay. Then, <laughs> uh, then you would begin to scale this business, and everybody who joined would just be scaling and helping on the business model, right? Mm-hmm. Well... That used to last sometimes 10, 20, 30 years. Now these business models are failing sometimes in two, three years, sometimes even quicker, boy, in the technology business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, two years, you know, you've, you've, you're considered almost like a tenured veteran in the online business. <laughs> I know, I know. Truly. And, but what the, you know, what the research really points to is that changing your business model almost always is an effect of the emergent strategy. Reacting to what's happening in the marketplace, mm-hmm. and those changes, and responding to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not boardroom strategy. So that really smart entrepreneur figured it out the first time is probably not the one to figure it out the second time. The person who figures it out the second time is going to be that person who manages in the middle, who understands the customers, mm-hmm. who understands the vendors, who understands the emotional climate and the skills and capabilities in the organization, and then connects the dots in a way that makes sense for that company based on where it is in the movie. So what you're saying is the person who's in the middle pretty much has the pulse of what's going on with everything. Outside the the fact that usually founders, if you're going to stereotype them, tend to be big idea people who can get things off the ground, but they're more spin doctors than they are like actually maintaining managers that can um, create a core and then grow the company out across the board. Well, you know, these these entrepreneurs are brilliant and crafting and addressing the early part of the market. It's just that when it comes time to evolve that model or change that model, um, most of the knowledge that you need to give you inputs in order to really make those changes is coming from the people who are closest to understanding the 360 view mm-hmm. of the outside and inside marketplace. And that tends to be that manager is in the middle. And that's a very, very powerful role for managers. And in the book, we interviewed you know, 100 managers in depth, but we came up with some really amazing examples of managers who, you know, you would normally think, like, you know, he's a director of something, right, with 20,000 people, well, you know, he's just a marching guy, 
or a marching girl in the middle of this thing. <laughs> there you but go. then you find out, look, you know, she's the one who reinvented the company. Oh, absolutely. And speaking yeah. about reinventing the company, um, let's come back. Let's hear a couple of the examples of uh, some of the people that you interviewed for the book. And we'll be right back after this commercial break with Vince Thompson. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Gentlemen, start your engines. Okay. Well, how do I get my engine started? Is your online marketing being left at the starting gate? Don't have enough information to stay ahead of your competitors? Then visit EngineReady.com and get a free trial of our affordable enterprise class web analytics. With EngineReady, you can accurately track revenues from all online marketing campaigns, search engines, banner ads, email, and more. EngineReady strategic marketing software. See why companies of all sizes achieve exceptional online results with EngineReady, the professional standard in search marketing. Oh, maybe I should just get out and push. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? Clicksore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from Clicksore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on Clicksore.com today. That's ClickSOR.com. Your bottom line will thank you. Clicksore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. Boys and you girls too. I'm here to talk to you about Milnick Media, the best CPA network, period. They sure know how to deliver, and I know something about deliverance. Now, you want to get paid? Damn right you do. We'll make sure you get your money. Milnick Media's got support people who know their ass from their elbow. Need a new jet ski? How about one of them new fangled plasma TVs? Well, cousin Jeremy here will hook you up with our performance rewards program. Email submits, zip submits, ringtones. Hell, we got them all! Yeehaw! Hey there, it's Cousin Jeremy. Get on over to M-I-L-L-N-I-C-Media.com and we'll have you so happy, you'll be squealing like a pig. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Hey everyone, this is Brandy Shapiro-Babin. Welcome back to Cover Story. And our featured guest today is Vince Thompson, who's the founder of Middle Shift Consulting. Uh, Vince also is the proud new author of Ignited Managers. Light up your company and career for more power, more purpose, and more success. Welcome back, Vince. Thank you, Brandy. Uh, talk about squealing like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, we're discussing today um, loosely, um, and then we're going to get into more depth in our in our in our second interview. Really about the, the path taken, how managers really are uh, the pulse of a company, and we were just about to talk about some of the interviews that um, that you did for your book regarding some of the phenomenal things that that management or middle management actually created for companies to take their next step going forward and maybe aren't always are they not always credited you found 
Well, you know, the managers that we profiled in the book um, on the bigger stories absolutely were credited, and, uh, and it really advanced their careers. The, um, you know, but we had talked to managers at other points that had done other projects that certainly, certainly weren't credited. Um, we've got some extreme examples in the book, and then we have many examples of how managers make a difference day to day. So, so let's talk about how can you make a difference day to day and, and keep and keep your head on straight, not get burnt out, but keep forging forward. Well, we talk about that throughout the book and give a variety of different ideas. Um, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll share a couple of you okay. with a couple with you right now. Um, I won't tell anyone. The way, the, the, way we, the way we structured the book is, you know, the first part of the book is about getting control over your team and getting control over your time. The middle of the book are the key ignition points are doing those things that you as a manager uniquely do. Nobody else in your company can do. And those are the things that help you gain more leverage and more connection and purpose. And the last book's the last part's kind of selling things through and more recognition. Um, what can a manager do in order to make a big impact in their company? Mm-hmm. Well, what we found was the managers who focused less on the fire drills and last-minute things being pushed down upon them and all the craziness of the day-to-day and spent more time focusing on the things that were completely unique to their role in the middle, these ignition points, these mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. of being a pilot or a, a guide or a link maker within companies, those things gave them the greatest feelings. Um, but there was another concept that, that we came across, uh, you know, that we talk about, this idea of white space. And white space kind of came from a manager at a technology company who said, you know, we're allowed to kind of take those slots in our day that aren't scheduled, and we treat them as white space. And in a way, that becomes the time that we invest in going kind of outside of our regular day-to-day and thinking big about what it means to our company and our, and, and our, and our careers. And this particular manager actually uh, was working in an entertainment vertical, helping bring technology into the entertainment business. And they spent that white space time kind of looking at the problems and, and needs of the entertainment community. And, um, and they came up with an idea that helped ultimately deliver um, dailies in a, in a digital sense from the pipeline directly to the studio in a new way that, the, that, that production companies would be willing to pay for. Fabulous. But they really advanced the agenda of their company that way. Which is wonderful. So really taking the initiative. Don't all, you know, do the things you're responsible for, because I think that's one thing that would probably upset a company. Like, you know, if you have 10 core responsibilities, don't overlook those. Make sure they're taken care of to the best of your ability. But then also take some time to really take an initiative. You know, you're in, you're the core, you're in the core of this company. Take some initiative as far as how you can help impact the company by virtue of the industry that you're in. And then start um, maybe deploying that. One of my favorite things is always saying, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Well, you know, that's something actually we mentioned in the book a little bit, too, because so often as managers, we're so used to having to work through nine layers of bureaucracy mm-hmm. that we run up every idea that we have to people, and oftentimes we get shot down, when in fact, uh, a lot of times we don't really need to ask permission for these things. We can just roll forward. You, you know, your point about initiative is, look, all managers want to take initiative. All managers want to make a difference. And at the same time, they're overwhelmed with the amount of things their bosses have asked them to do. You know, 86% of the people that we talked to felt like they were asked to deliver um, 
I do a fire drill around gathering information mm-hmm. in the last month that they had felt they didn't know if people would read. <laughs> you know? Right, they no, I understand. They didn't know. They, did, they got the information, but they didn't have confidence that people were actually going to read it and look at it. So what we talk about um, is actually going back and renegotiating your work with your boss. Because bosses are so good at like shoving things down, this, 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 this. They're not very good at prioritizing. Everything seems to be important. Uh, everything's an emergency. Everything's an mm-hmm. emergency. It's very, very difficult to work in these environments. So we, we give you specific thoughts on how to figure out not what your boss wants, but what your boss's boss wants of them. Because if you understand the needs of your boss's mm-hmm. boss, you can help that boss Look who may better. not be communicating mm-hmm. it with, to you in the right mm-hmm. way. Understand and clarify that, and then we give you some some ideas on how to actually determine what your boss's explicit needs are. Those needs, such as you know, help me launch an e-commerce business or help me reduce costs here, as well as the implicit needs, the emotional kind of non-linear drivers that we run across. And that might be your boss's feeling like, hey, help me make help me look like I'm a creative guy to everybody else. Right. Help me look like a good leader. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yep. So if you sit your boss down and you say, hey, you know, I want to get everything done that you want me to. But, you know, you have me work. You know, I hear this from a lot of people that, you know, you get a project to work on. And maybe it's a project that you're excited to do. So you start, you know, you delve deeply into it. Then all of a sudden, you know, no, no, stop working on that. Work on this. This is a priority now. And it's hard sometimes to change gears. And, if, and sometimes you do know what should be prioritized and what shouldn't be. And as long as like, you're respectful and, like you said, you understand yeah. um, like the personality of your boss, yeah. then you can approach them in a way that's respectful, that helps you feel good about what you're doing, and also allows them to feel good that you're contributing in a way that they need you to. That's right. And, you know, it really requires having a trusting relationship and having frequent dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? You know, Information's have, power. So many managers say, oh, you know, I worked for this guy for a year, you know, and then it came time for performance review, and I didn't do all that well. So when was the last time you talked to him about your performance? Right. Last year. Right. Exactly. And, and, and many managers are uncomfortable talking about performance with people, so you have to... We give you some language in the book to help clarify some of this stuff, but you really have to be able to get them engaged in a non-threatening conversation on a regular basis related to the performance and manage back to them what you're trying to do to make them successful, um, you know, on, on your behalf, right? Well, and I uh, think, yeah, and I, I, I agree. First of all, I, I agree with you. I think something that resonates very loudly is um, in a non-threatening way. Yeah. Right. Because at the end of the day, especially if you're middle management, you know, everyone's always afraid, like, you know, you're trying to take their job. (laughs) Right. Right? So it's a non-threatening way. But as you said, you know, information is power and people only know what you do if you if you let them know what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't tell me, hey, Brandy, you know, I came on, you know, I'm booked to come on X, Y and Z radio show and I'm sending out 15 press releases and I'm booked on 20, you know, TV shows. I will not know this unless I happen to stumble across something. Right. Information is power. And if you did something to make my life easier, God damn it, I should know about it. Yep. Yep. Be- yep. Because and email isn't always the best way to communicate that stuff. No, email is not. I, you know, it's, it's frustrating because email is a one dimensional media. I yeah. definitely believe in, in dialogue and understanding, um, you know, being able to, if, if you are in a close proximity, 
um, you know, engaging. I agree with you. Engage with your boss. Everyone's busy. But if you put yourself in front of someone and say, hey, I need five minutes of your time so that I can be the best that I can be for you. Yeah. They're going to give you the time. Yep. Yep. That helps a lot. That helps a lot. And speaking about time, I hate this. I'm now just getting into this interview because you're so damn interesting. And this is such an important topic. Um, And we need to wrap it up. Well, it's been great talking with you and so fun to be in front of your audience. And I'll look forward to talking again. And we'll go deep on those ignition points. And we'll talk about some of the strategies to really kind of reinvent your company and move you further along in your career. I think that is terrific. And I think we laid a phenomenal foundation today and whetted people's appetite for our second interview and uh for those of you again vince thompson ignited managers light up your company and career for more power more purpose and more success um it's an amazing book i i've read most of it i'm not gonna lie and say i read all of it i read most of it that's all right and uh go out and get it you guys vince thank you so much for being on today Thanks, Brandy. Have a great day. You enjoy. Call me if uh, go out and find Bruce, and we'll all have cocktails. <laughs> That's a great plan. Right. I'm talking for you. All right. Sounds perfect. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye.